Hello, Same 24 Hours podcast listeners. Welcome back to another show. Today we are talking about career and pivoting, a definite keyword in 2020. Ken Coleman is our guest today. He's the number one national bestselling author of The Proximity Principle, and he's the host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Ken Coleman Show. Pulling from his own personal struggles, missed opportunities, and career successes, Ken helps people discover what they were born to do in their career. And he also provides practical steps to make their dream job a reality. I really loved this interview. We have so much, uh, like, I've been, (laughs) I have participated in the proximity principle in ways that I was not aware of. And I, as many of you know, made a career pivot um, from being a lawyer to not being a lawyer. And that was a big step. And I love the advice he gives. I found it to be so true in the way that I have approached my life. And we definitely had a great show. So the proximity principle is very applicable to giving anyone an edge and finding a job or connecting to the right people or maximizing your potential in your current role. So this is a great, great episode. I also want to mention that I do work with the Handel Group, and they have a program called Inner You, and you can go to innerU.coach, I-N-N-E-R-U.coach, and register for their online life coaching program. It's a self-paced program where career is one of the modules. Career is one of the areas of life that you can start to elevate, and I think that Inner you pairs super nicely with the proximity principle. So if you're interested in learning out learning more about inner you, go to innerU.coach and you can register using the code swim bike mom and you can save half off right now. So that is also a good, good mention. But I hope you enjoy this episode with Ken Coleman and check out his website at kencoleman.com. Hi, and welcome to The Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I am your host, Meredith Atwood. Very excited about our guest today. Ken Coleman is here. Hello, Ken. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I know we have lots to talk about. So Ken is going to give us all the answers <laughs> on Uh-oh. how to pivot, all yes. of them, every yes. single one of them, every one how of to them. make that career pivot. So many of you reach out to me and say, how are you no longer a lawyer? How do you make this decision? And I thought it would be great. I mean, I can always share my story, but Ken is an expert on this. He has a great book, The Proximity Principle, and we're just going to dive right in. So First question for you, how and well, why do people have a hard time leaving the career they do not love? Well, you know, there are probably two or three monsters that are, uh, that are keeping them from doing that. One is fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I would say doubt. And then I would say pride. Now, 
in those kind of, you know, those monsters all kind of have different, different factors that are at play there. So it could be fear of failure. You know, this idea, if I, if I leave one sector of, of a career and I move to another career and if I fail, uh, is that going to set me back financially? Uh, another fear is of peers. I call it the fear of peers. And this is what will others say? Yeah. You know, what will, what will other people say about me? Uh, will they say that I'm delusional? Will they say, uh, this is crazy. Family members are in that deal as well. So you've got a great career, pay, benefits. Why in the world would you leave that? Um, that's a big one. Um, but I think the biggest fear is the fear of the unknown. You know, when you are in one career and you've achieved some success and then you begin to think about changing, change is, is really an invitation to embrace the unknown. <laughs> and the unknown, I think, is the greatest fear that humans have. So yes. I would say the fear of the unknown is the biggest fear. You know, the doubt comes in with, you know, I doubt that maybe I won't have what it takes. I doubt that I have time to make this change in my life. Maybe it's mm-hmm. the ship has sailed kind of mentality. Um, and, and then with pride, and I'm just running through these quickly to give you an example of all these, these monsters. Uh, pride is, shows up in the form of, I, I don't want to ask anybody for help. You know, I don't, and I don't want to seem as though I was confused in earlier part of my life. I don't want to seem as though I'm having a midlife crisis. You know, it's that kind of thing. So fear, doubt, and pride are the reasons I gave you examples of each, but it's fear, doubt, and pride. The reason people don't leave is it's one of those three. Sometimes it's a combination of all three. Yes. And I feel all of those. I mean, I made a big pivot out of the legal profession and, you know, even to this day when people, you know, at a party, someone will say, what do you do? I'm like, well, I don't really, you know, I, I don't really know. I used to be a lawyer, you know, cause I do right. all these other things now, but it, there is a sense of when you're an attorney, you're so proud right. of it, even though no one likes attorneys. Right. Um, interesting. You know, it's, it's this whole, yeah, I tried this and, and you're kind of admitting failure, but not really. Mm-hmm but you're admitting, right. oh, it didn't work out for me. And those are all yeah. real human emotions. But yet we sit in it. We sit in the job for years and years. And so how does the proximity principle, let's, let's jump to that. Like, how mm-hmm. does that start to shift you yeah. into what you really want to do and, and have the yeah. courage to move out? Well, proximity principle gives you momentum and it begins to give you the momentum you need uh, and then it leads to opportunity. So the proximity principle is about momentum first and then opportunities. And here's what it is. In order to do what you want to do, fill in the blank. You've got to be around people that are doing it and you got to be in places where it is happening. So what I'm focusing on here in that little, little paragraph or that two sentence thing here is, is people in places. So when I'm around the right people and let's define right people as people that are doing what I want to do, people that are successful, whether it be in the field that I want to be in or not. Um, and as you know, we, we give you five archetypes of people in the book. But the right people, when I'm around the right people, they tell me what I need to know. They point me to other people that are the right people. They point me to the right places. They'll put me in those right places sometimes. And so when I'm in the right places, guess what? I'm observing what I need to observe. I'm learning what I need to learn. I get the opportunity to do some things and I meet some more of the right people. And so what happens is it becomes this cycle. When I'm around the right people, I get into the right places. When I'm in the right places, I meet the right people. And so what happens is 
It's just kind of like a ladder. It's building your little ladder to the next, to the next. And no matter how successful you are, you will always use the proximity principle. And it is just very simple. The formula is this. When I'm in the right place or I'm around the right people, the right time happens. So don't worry about the timing of anything because if I'm always in the right place or I'm around the right people, the right time happens as a result of the diligence and the, the uh, intentionality of being in the right place or around the right people. And so uh, it's opportunity. And so it's like this, when I use the proximity principle properly, opportunity knocks on my door. I'm not ever having to kick doors down. This, it's kind of been romanticized and, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's like a movie. They go, oh, kick every door down. And I, you know, maybe, but I, I've never seen a lot of successful people whose story is full of doors they've kicked over. <laughs> they, they, they just kind of tapped. No, the- it's actually somebody <laughs> knocked on their door. Okay. And so that's the whole right. point. Is it's yeah. it's like this. If I told you, I said, Hey, we gotta catch a train, where should we go? You would go, uh, you idiot, let's go to the train station. <laughs> but why? Because that's where trains are. Right. And I know that if I stay at the train station long enough, the right train's coming. That's the idea here. It's a, just an intentionality. It's just understanding that people in places, I gotta have my radar up all the time. And it's the intentionality. And if I do that. I'm not going to have to worry about advancement. I'm not going to have to worry about opportunity. It's going to show up. I love this because I often talk about the crab bucket principle where if you're in a bucket, if you're a crab or not, but if you were a crab and you're in a bucket with a bunch of other crabs and you try to escape, the other crabs are going to pull you down. And so this proximity principle, I mean, if you're in the bucket with a bunch of crabs, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Well, no. something's going to happen. You're going to come back down to the. Oh, yeah, you right? just stay there until you get thrown in a, in a pot and you boil, right. and then you're toast. You know, I right. used to eat crabs growing up. I, I love a good crab. You sound a little southern. Are you southern? Yeah, I'm a Virginian, so I grew oh, up in I'm the. From I grew Georgia. Up, where in Georgia? <laughs> um, Savannah originally, but Atlanta oh, most of my adult life. Gosh, I love Savannah. It's one of my favorite towns. We lived uh, north of Atlanta, just in the suburbs. We uh, did for too. 11 where? years. Suwanee, Georgia. We're in Roswell. <laughs> So I know Roswell. It's a great town. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There and we were go. in Lawrenceville for a little bit too. That's where I well, saw Dave the right first time. right next to Sewanee. Yes. Because he yeah. came and spoke at the um, Gwinnett Center back yeah. when, before it's now got a new name. But yeah. Some, yeah. I know that area well. Yeah. Funny. Funny yep. small world. Um, okay. So people and places. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind really quickly though. Because a lot of, I think sometimes people say, I know what I don't want and yep. that's where I'm at. How do I, what do I do if I don't know what I want? Like, I know I don't want to be here. What kind of people and places do I surround myself with? Yeah, great question. So we're going to step back. So uh, the, the proximity principle lives in, in the get qualified and get connected stage of my seven stages to meaningful work. But stage one is the answer to your question. We've got to get clear. And so if you don't know what it is that you want to do, or you don't know where you want to be, why you want to do it, we accomplish that by getting clear. And there are three self-indicators. It's a self-awareness discovery process. And the three areas, by the way, the answer lies within you. So that's what's so fun about what we teach on the radio show. And I just walk men and women through this every day. So you first start with what you do best. That's talent. So we'll classify that as hard skills and soft skills. Everybody kind of knows what that is. But essentially, it's what you do best. I'm not interested in what's your average. I'm not even interested in your weaknesses. We only want to know 
What are the things that you do best? That's talent. Next category, passion. And I define passion as work you love to do. So this is measured by emotion and devotion. So when you think about a task, a role, a function in the workplace, if you get excited about it, you get the juice. Like for me, I get excited before every radio show when I get ready to walk in the studio and the light goes on and I'm live or if I'm speaking uh, or if I'm doing a coaching session, a one-on-one coaching session, I get the juice. I start thinking about it and I get excited. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, interviews too. I love being interviewed. So <laughs> I just want you to know I got the juice. All right. So, so I get high emotion thinking about it. When I'm engaged in it, high emotion. I'm loving it. And then I love to spend time doing it. That's devotion. I want to do it every day. I want to do it as much as possible. When I'm in the middle of it and I'm engaged in it, time seems to just disappear. That's high emotion, high devotion. So you think of just love is the word here. Mm. Love. What do you love to do? Forget about notoriety or money. Just the function itself. You go, oh, I love this. All right. So that's passion. The final indicator is mission. And I define mission as the results of your work that matter deeply to you. So you know this, all work produces a result. Right. doesn't matter what kind of work it is. When I do work, it produces something, okay? And so we look at what are the results of that work I love that really matter to me? So for instance, let me explain this. I love broadcasting. I love speaking publicly, all that. And early on, as I was trying to figure out which way I was going to go, I looked into the sports broadcasting world because I love sports. I'm a sports maniac and I love it. Well, as I began to dabble in it, I did some sports uh, broadcasting. I realized that it was the work I love, which was broadcasting. I love that. But I didn't want to talk about sports all day, every day. It, It got boring for me. There wasn't the juice. So if you look at what I do now, and I figured this out, by process here of clarification that I want to speak and broadcast and write for the purpose of helping others live and work on purpose. So while I still enjoy sports and I love to sports talk radio, and if I were to guest host for a friend, I'd probably enjoy it for a day, but there's no way I'd want to do that every day. Why? Because the mission's not aligned. Yeah. Am, am I good at broadcasting and communication? Yes. Talent's there. Do I love broadcasting? Yes. Passion's there. Do I want to talk about it? Does, uh, is that what I want to produce out of my broadcasting is sports entertainment? Eh, no. <laughs> so the mission wasn't there. So, so now I'm on mission because I want to broadcast for personal growth, for development, yes. for clarity. So you have to look at the results. So I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but it's on purpose. When talent, passion, and mission intersect or they align you're in your sweet spot. So it looks like this, a purpose sentence for a, per- for a person who's in their sweet spot, completely on purpose in their life, doing what they were created to do looks like this. They would say, I use my talent, what I do best, mm-hmm. to perform my passion, the work I love to do most, to produce my mission or to complete my mission, the results that matter deeply to me. So then the simpler way is I use what I do best to do what I love to do to produce results that matter to me. Yes. That's the purpose sentence. That answers your why. Why am I on this planet? Well, to contribute. 
and and you got to figure out what your contribution is and it's in your sweet spot the intersection of those three things yeah and i i feel so much of what you're saying because that's sort of the process i've been through as well yeah. like when i first started podcasting i was doing a joint show and we were coming up with topics and i was like i don't like doing this i like interviewing people and so right. that was a thing and then i also you know I, we talked offline i'm almost 5 years sober and i have a passion for that but yep. I can't be in the sobriety space every day, all day. Like I, you know, so yep. like you said, the self growth, like the personal growth is my jam too. I like to yep. talk about all aspects of it, how you grow yep. everything. Um, but, but to be all day, every day on a podcast talking about sobriety, I couldn't do it. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And see, that's very yeah. important that you point that out because there you, you, sometimes we have great passion from our pain. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot with callers in your situation there is some passion that developed out of the pain you've been through, but the passion is not completely aligned. It's not totally towards that. And so you don't want to talk about that every day because you're over here. So instead of trying to help people avoid or um, get out of some type of substance abuse issues, that's not you. That's not you. You're over here. And, right. and so that's really cool that you understand that. Whereas somebody else who went through your story could say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping people that have dealt with what I've dealt with. Right, right. No wrong and it'll, answer there. Sure, sure. And what it allows me to do is like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, that's where I do most of my work too, is like one-on-one, -on -one, yep. I can do a lot of sobriety stuff to help that's people. You know, right. it's, it's the whole picture. So I, I love that's that right. that um, you said that. And also one of your episodes, you said that um, clarity breeds confidence. Yep. And so this figuring out like the principles you just outlined, you but you get clear and then it helps you Oh, move yeah. on to the next. Well, yeah, because so, here's what happens. You go like this. I, I, I know who I am. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know why I'm supposed to do it. See, that's what comes out of that exercise. You, yeah. really, get, you really get clear on who you are, your unique makeup. And, and then you go, oh, okay, I get that. And, and now I know what I want to do, why I want to do it. And then we start looking towards the where. But the confidence that comes from clarity is what moves us off the bleachers right. and onto the field. And so, yeah, clarity does create confidence. No question. Which, by mean, the way, oh, go ahead. well, I just want to say this. There are going to be times where you'll get really clear and you'll get confident. Then you step out on the path, right? And you know this. I know this. There will be times where life throws a lot of fear and doubt your way. And so that confidence will shriek, uh, shrink. So what do you do? You retreat back to clarity. You go back to that exercise and you remind yourself, oh, that's just fear lying to me. Yes. That's just doubt lying to me. And I get clear again. I remind myself of my clarity and then my confidence jumps back up. Sorry. That's I, I just exactly to what that. I was going to say. That's exactly oh, okay, what yeah. I was going to say is, is yeah. you get clear, you get confident, and then you get scared again. And it's this push and pull process that as long as you return back to that clarity and, and the work I do, we call it a dream. You know, That's you it. go back to the dream, you read the dream every day yes. and then you keep your clarity. And like some days I read my dream about like my body or my career and I go, oh yeah, I said that even though That's I just right. read it yesterday. Like it's yep. so easy for us to forget our heart and, mm -hmm. and what we're good at and mm -hmm. to retreat back True. to what we're not so good at and That's the comfort it. of the golden handcuffs yep. <laughs> as That's in the exactly case. exactly right. Yeah. No question about it. That's a, it's a very good point about the dream because that's the, that's why we call it the dream job. And that's the Mount Everest, you know, that's the pinnacle. And you, and it, it helps to glance up on a regular basis. Even when you're here and you're climbing, um, you don't want to stare 
but you want to glance. Get up there and glance. Yeah. That's where I'm heading. Ooh, gives me the juice. I get re-energized. I like that. You don't want to stare, but you want to glance. That's good. Because yeah. if you stare, you, you, you can't figure it out. You can't figure out well, stuff. You can't. Yeah. Well, if so you stare, weird. here's what happens. You obsess about the next mm. and you miss what you need to do. You miss what you need to learn. You miss what you need to be in the now. And the obsession with the next ends up killing the next. So the way wow. I say it is when you obsess about the next, you miss what you need in the now and sacrifice the next. So, you know, it, there is no next if I don't win the now. And so when I'm climbing up that mountain, I'm in stage three and it's really, really tough. Um, it's important when I start to feel like quitting that I glance up and go, this is, oh yeah, okay, that's why I'm here. I'm here. I'm struggling right now. I know I, I got to look up. I got to glance, but I also got to get my head back down so that I can actually keep climbing through stage three or whatever it is. So that's the, po- the importance there. It's important to look at the next, don't obsess about it. So how important is it to have a five-year plan, a one-year plan, a plan, a plan, a plan, and habits and consistency? So like, what is your overall view on how, okay, we're clear, we're getting near people in places, like what now? What what do we do? You know, I really like that question. I don't know that I've been asked that question that way before. It's my goal every episode. Good. Well, (laughs) it's a really good question. And my answer to that is, should you have a plan? Yes. Um, but I would hold the time loosely. Mm. So plan that is, that is going to get me to the goals. So the plan is how I get to the mile markers, the goals. So I really like the goals and I like the plan to get to the goals, but, and I don't think there's any problem with going, I'd like to be here in three years. I'd like to be here in five years. Uh, I'd like to accomplish this in the next year. I don't have a problem with that, but we as humans, we're really, really interesting creatures. In that if we really lock in on the timeline and the timeline becomes the focus, not the, not the uh, actions, uh, not, excuse me, not the plan, not the goal, guess what happens? When the timeline doesn't go our way, we're crushed, we're disappointed, we're discouraged, and then we get distracted. So um, I'll give you an example of that. I, when I first started out, I was 31, 32, and... I told my wife, I said, babe, it's, uh, it's probably going to be five to seven years. This is a five to seven year play, I think, before I catch a major break. And um, it ended up being about seven and a half where I got a really good break. And then it was two more years. So it was nine years before I got the big, 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 the big break. And I was not, that was just the only time I ever mentioned time to her. Mm-hmm. I just thought, this is a guess. Uh, it's a gut feeling. But I wasn't sitting there going, oh, gosh, I've only got a year left. Oh, no, I'm a big failure. <laughs> right. I think if you, and I think that's why I'm answering that the way. I'm not trying to be so no, specific it. and neurotic, but I'm speaking to our neurosis and the way we are. And so if we're always focused on the timeline, we start to feel like we're not making progress. It's like nobody has any idea how long it's going to take. That's part of right. the deal. Right. That's part of the journey. So that would be my answer to that. Sure, goals that are clear, plan to get to the goals. Timeline, sure, throw a, uh, this is what I'd like to happen, but hold that really loosely. Right. And, and I have an example of that too. So I read, I guess it was Robert Greene's Mastery and then yeah. all these examples that it takes 10 years, 10 years to master and 10 years to make it, yep. right? Well, my 10-year time came up last in August. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And right. I remember thinking, 
well hell you know it was exactly just like, yeah but it, it but i let it you know i let it pass but there was a moment because yeah. i had just heard that and i thought well surely by 10 years i will have arrived and yep. it's not like I've gone downhill and fallen off. No. There's been steady growth and I just keep doing. Um, but, yep. you know, we get these perceptions in our head, like it's got to be this thing mm -hmm. and this thing. And I've also realized that the the goals, the outcome that we're seeking sometime is not the actual goodness. Like the goodness mm -hmm. is the impact one-on-one -on -one or, or right. who you touch. It's not necessarily numbers. And there's so yeah. many things that we get bogged down in, in, in yeah. goal making. And so- yeah. What is something that you you do to encourage um, your listeners to kind of eye on the prize, eye on the important things? Well, I, you know, when you're focused on your why constantly, and that's why I teach this process of that purpose sentence, because that is that answers the question why. And so once I know my why, then I can figure out the where, and that's mm -hmm. the vision. So that's your mountaintop, your pinnacle. And then you figure out the how, that's the plan. Um, and so what I try to tell people is, is, is you better stay focused on the why, because that is what keeps you in the game. So it keeps you in the game. It's the love of what you're doing. It's the, I, I understand that this is who I am at my core and I'm going to get to the end of my life. If I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. Mm. And so I'm trying to teach people, let's get to the end of our life and let's reminisce on the journey. Let's not regret. And uh, so it's, it's pretty simple. It's don't lose sight of the why. And, and the why is what, again, informs the where and the how. And um, if you do that, it's going to be pretty hard to stop you. Because again, you know, the person who, who, uh, who, is, who is completely focused uh, and, and on purpose, um, they don't quit because it's bigger than them. Has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with the meaning. And we get meaning from our contribution. And so it's why the great coaches don't stop coaching after they win. It's why the great business people keep growing and keep dreaming. Um, it's why the inventors don't stop. You know, um, it's, it's, it's why people who do great things in the area of faith or the nonprofit or the political world where they, they, they join things together or they, they, they mount these unbelievable campaigns um, uh, or causes or crusades or whatever you want to say, there's something deeper behind it. You know, it's like MLK Jr., you know. You know, what's, what's haunting about his final speech um, is that he alludes to the fact that I may not get there with you, but I've been to the mountaintop and I've looked over. And when you hear someone speak that way, that's, that's unbelievable purpose and vision is what he's mm -hmm. saying. And, and, and then, you know, tragically he gets shot the next day and it, and it's, it's a haunting, his final speech. I recommend everybody, everybody read it or listen to it um, to really get a grasp of what it's like to live on purpose and that's what keeps you in the game even when your life is in danger because it's not about you. It's right. bigger than you. Right. So one more question. Um, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, meaning that we all have the same 24 hours, but it's what yep. we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and yep. success. So I like to ask my guests, what is something that you do on a daily basis that you really think gives you a great boost um, and contributes to your 24 hours being like the best they can be. 
Yeah, you know, it's a quiet time in the morning. And uh, uh, I really believe in the first thought in and the last thought in. There's a lot of science behind that, um, but it's just good old-fashioned psychology. And uh, first thing I do uh, of note, I mean, the first thing I do is I turn my alarm off and my coffee's already made and I go get coffee. And, uh, and I sit down and the first thing I do is I uh, go through a practice of gratitude. And uh, I'm simply praying and thanking God for multiple things in my life. And that that's, gets me started and it sets me in a place where, uh, man, I'm just really blessed today. I don't know what today holds, but as of right now, I'm blessed in my entire life up to this point. This is what I'm grateful for. And, um, and, and I think that that's a huge thing. And then reflection and whether that's prayer for some folks, for others, it's meditation or, uh, or just quiet time. But I think, I think that's really important. And, and I'll just, you only ask for one, but the other thing is, is that I've learned to do is turn my work off. Mm, yes. Um, can I get my husband in here real quick? Yeah. Get him in here. <laughs> he I'll, get, <laughs> I'll get all over him because I know. Uh, we have three kids and, um, and so when I'm home, um, I rarely am. I rarely work. It's very rare. When I'm writing a book, there'll be some nights where I've got to do some editing or something like that and, or some writing. But um, when I'm at home, um, I'm just dad and I'm hubs. And that's, I think, is really important. Somebody asked me this the other day, a podcaster. What that does for me is it allows me to turn my work brain off. And I've been going, 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 doing absolutely what I love, pouring myself out. You know, I've already been on the air for a couple hours today and given everything I got to callers. Right now, I'm totally focused, giving everything I got to you and your, and your audience. But when I go home, I just need to be a different dude. And so I take the work hat off and the coach, the career coach guy, the broadcaster guy off. And I'm just a dad. And so my brain is in a completely different engagement. And everything is totally different. And when I immerse myself in being husband and dad uh, and the caregiver to my two massive doodles, Riggins and Ellis, it allows me to be completely refreshed and my batteries recharge. So that by the time I get in the car to head to work the next morning, I've already taken my kids to school. I've engaged there and all that. And now I'm ready to flip that switch on again. And so I think besides the normal rest and, and self-care and all that stuff, I think understanding that you are really a two-dimensional person, there's the relationship you, and then there's the professional you. And to the extent that you can really separate those two uh, in a daily rhythm, I think it's huge. Yeah. And I mean, this is an incredible theme throughout this whole interview today is presence. Yeah. If you can maintain presence in your life and be yeah. in the moment and yeah. in your with your family when you're with your family or in the yeah. step forward as you're climbing your mountain, right? Just being in the moment because it's all we have. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we're reminded every day that we were not uh, promised tomorrow. And, right. uh, you know, I think uh, I, I'm blessed because I have the, I'm a high functioning ADHD, I'm told. And uh, it, we, we tend to kind of be present a little bit more, you know, cause we're just so, you know, we're either hyper-focused or hyper-distracted. Right. And, um, and it creates a lot of moments of hyper-focus. And I think for, for ADHD, we get hyper-focused when we're doing something we love and we're good at. For everybody else, you can have that focus. You don't struggle like us, but uh, really focusing in the moment, you know, uh, wherever you are, 
And I think what happens is, is a lot less stress and anxiety takes place because you're not worried about the meeting an hour from now. You're not worried about the phone call 10 minutes from now. It's not worried about any of that. There's going to be plenty of time to deal with that. But right now, um, I love being surprised by my calendar. My publicist, Wilson, over there, and he's laughing right now. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like the, the surprise. Like, I'm not sure what tomorrow is, but I'll, I'll figure it out right before bed or the next morning. You know what I mean? He's like, like, it's already taken noted, care of itself. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows. I mean, he knows. Right. But I mean, it's like, you know, oh, great. This is next. And yeah. I really like that because I go, oh, I've got an interview with Meredith coming up. Great. Now I'm <laughs> going to be totally focused on this. And I have no idea what's next. I really oh, don't. Fun. Now, for some people, that's scaring you and freaking you out. So you got to be you. But right. there's something to the fact that you still have time, you planning nerd people, to look at your calendar and get to the next thing. But in the moment, just be there. Right. For and, sure. And uh, I do think there's tremendous freedom there. Yes. Yes, I love it. Okay, Ken. So where can everyone listen to you? Where can we find you and get your book? Yeah, sure. Well, we're on radio stations all around the country. So your FM, AM talk station, KenColeman.com for the details on all this stuff. We're on Sirius XM, uh, their business channel every day as well. And then we're on YouTube live stream every day. Just search the Ken Coleman show on YouTube. That's at 12 Eastern time. And we podcast the radio show, the Sirius XM show every day as well. So KenColeman.com at Ken Coleman on Instagram. Come join me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was great. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.